Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Driven Shot. Um, we're back and it's a new it's a new format. Last time we did it uh, here on Spaces and we're going to be doing it on Spaces going forward. Um, but you will also be able to listen to it on Spotify uh, and the likes after the episode is live. So the episodes will go live 5.30 p.m. every Monday, European time. And after that, you'll be able to hear them on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and so on and so forth. So um, with me, I'm Omar Hawash. I'm the CEO of Bloganogram. With me, I have the COO of Bloganogram, Joav Pedrata. We're currently facing some technical difficulties, it seems, um, because I cannot hear you. Hey, bro. Can you hear me now? There we go. There we go. Nice. So, uh, Joav, how, how's uh, how's everything going? How are you doing? All good, man. Um, excited with the Anna battle, obviously. Um, huge signing for the feminine side. I mean, you're just basically trying to run run back, like being uh, champions again in the Champions League. That's basically just the objective yeah. of Barca because we all know, like in the Spanish league, Barca are way superior than anyone else. So you're basically your objective is just to repeat the Champions League at this point. Absolutely, and that's the thing. And I think I think it's a, I think it is a statement signing as well for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, a lot of people were talking about this one about the signing, saying that well, you know. Um, it's United and United aren't really going to let go of, of her, especially now to Barcelona. Um, but she has. And as far as I know, as far as I know, at least the only badge that she's ever kissed has actually been the Barca badge, which she kissed in the presentation today. So, you know, it's, it's nice to have, it's nice to have a signing like that. And also because she is as good as she is. Yeah. Yep, um, yep absolutely. I think Barca Femini are at a stage now where, they have the pull to attract a lot of really big players. And we heard about Eva Payot maybe signing for Barca potentially as well. I think that would be a, an amazing signing. Yeah, because I mean, uh, at know. this point, you're just looking to like upgrade whatever holes you may have in your, in your uh, team, like places where you can actually right. like upgrade. But I mean, besides that, it's not like you're going to splash out like this huge amount of money for the potential signing that will change everything because you're, you're already at that stage. Now, so... Like the huge plus is that yeah. a lot of these women have been playing so so long together. I mean, they know each other; they can read each other's mind basically at this point. And you have so many key mm-hmm. players in all the like very important places of all the of all the pitch. Like, I mean, you have Mapi Leon at the back. Now you have Onabado. You have obviously Aitana. You have Alexia. You have Wash. I mean, you have so many key players in every single part of the, of the pitch um, that you just you're just trying to look to maintain that level. And especially, I always like the redemption story of when a player that was formed before Barca comes back to Barca. I mean, that's like the biggest for me in this case, obviously, on a battle. She was in La Masia. She played for the youth system of Barca. And then coming back now, like being such a world-class player, I mean, that's just like the dream story. 
It is. It absolutely is. And I think for me as well, I think the key point that you're saying is there as well is that the the team is at a point now where they just have so many amazing key players. I mean, even if you look at the backups, Jenna Fernandez is not a bad backup. If you want to say Lucy Braun is going to be a backup to own a battle, that's not a bad backup either. But I don't think Lucy is going to be the backup. Um, but it's just you have so much good competition in that team right now. You know, uh, you have Claudia Pina coming through. You have Aitana just being as brilliant as ever. Kira Walsh has been amazing since she joined. Uh, Mariona, I think, has done really well. Caroline is Caroline. She's she's amazing. You know, so for me, it's just a lot of these pieces coming together. And and Jonathan Girardet, I think, is, I think he's done a brilliant job with his team, um, getting it to a stage where even though they were down to Wolfsburg in the final, there was still the belief that they would be able to pull it back, and they did in style. It wasn't like, oh, that's uh, – they didn't get lucky. It wasn't because of a fluke or whatever. They fully deserved it, and they showed it, and they've shown it throughout the entire competition. And for me, seeing what the feminine side is doing, and obviously Jean Laporta is involved in that, you'd hope that some of the things that you see there, some of the ideologies, some of the, some of the moves – that you see there and the way the squad is being built can be transferred over to the men's team because that's what in, in some, in some areas I'd say they are a little bit similar in terms of the squad build. So in Barcelona's men's team, you have the, the midfield is pretty much sorted. I mean, there's really nothing you can do to that midfield other than just stack it with players uh, to me, at least you can talk about squad depth, but like the, the core of the midfield, Minus a Busquets replacement, which I don't even know if I think Barca need a Busquets replacement as much as they need to figure out what to do with the pivot role. Yep. Um, but to me, like there are some similarities between those two sides. Yep. I mean, just a little bit like getting back. You also now have like Barca officially being like the most valuable club in all the top Europe uh, league in Femini. Mm. Um, and by mm. I'm I'm not gonna say like a lot, a lot, but. It is considerable, like 5.4 million against 3.6 of Olympique Lyonnais. So it is, it is a, little, a little bit of a stretch from first to second. But it is, I mean, it's just, right. you can see the result of all the planning, like all the years in which Femini didn't really receive the spotlight. And now that they have, they're, actually, they're absolutely owning it. They're playing it, they're playing at the highest level. And I do think that the men's club, men's team should actually be looking at what the Femini is playing. Especially because I love the fact that they're they're so united. I mean, they look very literally like yeah. a team. They all celebrate together. They play to have like the best position. And there's no one that you can actually say like this this person is so selfish. Like in front of goal, if they see someone that's in a better position, they'll just make the simple pass and just play the tap in. So obviously, I think they're at this point where they have to continue planning for the next ten years to keep at this point and just continue to drive like. The same values that Barca had when they had under Pep. Like these players that were brought up through the youth system. They know the club. They know what they have to do. And you'll just be in abundance of talent because that's, an, that's a fact. I mean, Damasias is a place where talent is simply abundant as hell. And so it's so, it's so satisfying to see that. And look, looking now to the men's team, I completely agree. I mean, obviously right now the financial side of that we always mention is very important but i do think that at this point is just you have to be much more strategic you can't just go around splashing 
a few million for three players in which will take you back to bankruptcy. You have to really be specific and be very analytical and be, be very strategic as to which which type of players you want and your team. And that's where also Xavi has to come in. You're absolutely right. And I think that's the thing as well. I mean, we've heard Xavi sort of hint at these players, especially in recent times where he's talked about like, oh, I'd like to see, you know, I really like Kimmich. I really like Gundogan. Like these types of players where he's hinted that like, I would like these players in my team. Um, the problem is that contrary to other clubs, at least based off of the rumors that we see and the reports that we read and hear, it doesn't seem like Xavi has that, um, like the final say, so to speak, that you'd imagine Guardiola, for instance, would have at City. Then again, you could argue that Guardiola has been at City for almost a decade now, so he's merited that kind of control. But I also think that part of it is also because of how well-organized City are as an organization, barring all the FFP allegations and so on and so forth. The general way of how they run the club and how they, you know, approach players, how they sign players, uh, this like just the sheer ruthlessness of letting a talent like Joao Cancelo go because of his attitude, for instance. Having as clear a sight and vision of what you want to do as a club as Manchester City have proven that they have, to me is something that Barcelona should strive to have. I'm not saying that given Xavi the final say is the answer to that. I'm not sure that it is. But I think it definitely plays a role when you have players that the coaches help build and that you don't buy players because you as a board think that they're good enough when they don't align with the coach's view at all. Like we've seen it so, over so many years where we've seen players like, just as examples, your Ricky Pujis, your Alex Collados, all these players that are good players, maybe not Barca-level players, but they're good players. They're kept on, on, uh, on the roster because the board believes that they should be kept. The coach does not want to play them, does not see them in his plans, but he's forced to put them in the reserves. He's forced to put them on the bench, catch some slack, hurt morale in the dressing room, so on and so forth. And it just hurts the team because it's not built around the coach's desires. If the coach's desires are unrealistic, I mean, if if Xavi was to go up to Laporta and company and say, listen, I would like us to buy Erling Haaland, <laughs> then obviously, fair enough, <laughs> tell him to kick rocks. But if he's asking you for like, if he's saying like, listen, I really, really, really want Joshua Kimmich, I think he would be an, an excellent acquisition for this team. Push for Kimmich. He's the coach. He sets the strategy. He sets the tactics. If you don't believe that he has what it takes, get another coach. But if you truly do believe in him, which I think he's, I think he's merited at the very least one more season. To me, I think he's merited a contract extension because I would like to see what he can do on the back of a season like this, on the back of all the adversities that Barca have faced, especially like just even like rumors like the whole Messi situation and all that stuff. That has to change the mentality of a team. And I'm really curious to see how he's going to handle that. Yeah. But to me, like, Barca's men's team really need to take a page or two or ten out of the fem- out of the Femini book because the way Barca Femini is being run right now is just – that's how it should be all across the Barca board, not just for Femini. Yep. And it's taken Femini so long to get here. And I'm so happy and I'm so proud that Barca Femini are at this stage because they really, really, truly do deserve it. Yep, absolutely. But it's taken so long to get yep. there. So long. Yep, and 
going back to a few points that you guys mentioned, like regarding the Femini team, you can actually see like the pull of the team because I think I don't remember like mm -hmm. what agent or what person was saying that all the players want to go with the Barça Femini right now because they know that that's basically the golden ticket to win trophies, to win and become like a historical player. Even if you're just like a backup, like you were saying, you're probably more into squad depth, but you're still going to be in an amazing place and you're going to be at like the top, top of the mountain regarding like the football and the type of style that you're going to play because you know what you're going into. That's sort of like what Barça had with Pep. But now, as you were saying again, going back to the city part, I mean, City is so well run, obviously, regarding, like, the financial against side and if they actually <laughs> did or didn't do, like, all of the things that are being mentioned. But, I mean, when you have to, when you have people like Diki Bergistan at the head, you have Ferran Soriano, and then you have a person that completely trusts them, like Caldun uh, Mubarak, I think, is the president. I'm, I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. I'm not remembering. I don't know if I'm remembering, like, incorrectly the name. It's Caldun, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, when you have these sort of like teams that they know exactly where they want to go, but they actually trust the people that know football. Obviously, you have Pep, but Pep also relies a lot on um, Ferran and Tiki because they know what they have to do. And so, when you get at that point, you can be relentless. If a player doesn't want, okay, fine, go, they go ahead. Just like, um, just like Cruyff used to say, if a player doesn't want to be at Barca, he doesn't work for Barca anymore. Or if he doesn't want to come to Barcelona, he's not worthy of going to Barca. So that's the sort of like the mentality they have to build. And I think Barca is in a position where they actually have to do it at this point because you don't have to pull anymore. I mean, obviously, if Barca puts an offer on the table, City puts an offer on the table for a young player. I'm, I'm not, well, not, let's not say like a young, young player. Let's say like a player that's and is almost at the peak of his form. He's a really good player in the midfield. If Barca puts an offer, if City puts an offer, if, let's say, Bayer puts an offer, and then now Saudi, that's basically splashing out millions for every single player on the face of the earth, they're probably going to go for another club other than Barcelona because they know the financial situation. They know that they probably won't be able to be enlisted in La Liga as soon as they would have wanted to. So you mm -hmm. have to rebuild that. You have to rebuild your brand. You have to rebuild who you are and your status. And you can only do that by being really strategic at this point and just winning trophies again and winning in the style of play that we all know and want Barca to play. That's a thing too, right? Like, again, it's having that clear sense of vision that I don't think Barca have right now. I mean, we're looking at some of the things that are happening and some of the moves that are reportedly happening, and it's like, okay, cool. Barca are slowly getting to a point where they look like they know what they want. They look like they have a clear vision. And then you see them linked with other players, and it's just like, why are you even doing this? Like, let me give you an example, right? To me, if Barca were to sign Ruben Neves for free, fine. 15, 20 mil, okay, cool. Maybe 30. Not more than that. <laughs> He's getting a Saudi offer for 55, right? Reportedly. Yep. Which is crazy to me. But also... If you want to, if you want to get in a player like Ruben Neves, who's still twenty six, he's not, he's not, he's not an old player. He's not an old player by any, like by any stretch. And I, I genuinely do think that having watched him play, I think he would thrive in a more slow paced league. So I think to me, maybe the Prem doesn't work. Maybe Wolves doesn't work for him. I've heard a lot of people talk smack about Ruben Neves, being like, "Oh yeah, well he's not good. Look at how trash he was this season." It's like, okay, look at how. Look at how Wolves were this season. Look yeah. at the players that are around him. 
you can say the same thing for a lot of players where you can say, oh, well, he's a bad player. Yeah, but he was a bad player in a mm -hmm. bad team. So obviously he's not – unless he's fantastic, he's not really going to stand out. Unless right? he's Messi of 19 years old. <laughs> exactly. So it's like you just look at all uh, – It's to me, it's it's just – it's such a flawed argument to say that, oh, he was really bad this season. Okay, fine. But two, three seasons ago, people were raving about him. And you don't lose your level just like that. You can stagnate. But you don't really lose that level, that in football intelligence, like the, the spatial awareness. You don't lose that overnight. To me, I would have liked to see him at Barca. And I've, I've, I've been wanting to see him at Barca. I think I threw his name in the ring like two or three years ago when we were, when we were back, when we were filming this draft as well. Like, but to me, I'm not sure I, I can get on board with the whole KCA situation. Because I like, okay, you want to push him out because he has market value, fine. But why not push out Ferran Torres? <laughs> no market and I'm, value. I, I'm not saying that. Here's the thing, right? I'm not saying that to go against Ferran Torres. I am just firmly of the belief that I do not think that Ferran Torres has what it takes to succeed at Barca in the roles that he's been deployed in, at least not in Xavi's system. I just don't see it happening. When I play him as a striker, he's not clinical enough. When I play him on the wing, he's got zero one-on-one -on -one ability for Barcelona. Maybe he will for any other club. He just doesn't have what it takes to be in Barca's system. And quite frankly, he's been a waste of money. 55 million euros for a player that has offered nothing. And because he's just won with Spain, because he's still young, he's got decent market value. To me, I'd much rather see Barca ship off Ferran Torres, free up that space on the wing, than give Ansu Fati more run-ins, or have um, Ansu on... Like, for me, pref preferably, I would like to see Ansu just donning that left side. Dembele on the right, Rafinha as his backup. That's the ideal front three for me with Leva up front. But I just... I don't think selling Kessie is the answer. Because... Pedri is not going to play 130 games a season. Gavi is not going to play that much either. You don't have any Busquets, so you don't have a holding spot, which means that one of Pedri or Gavi is going to have to sit back. I think Gavi could do well in a double pivot, but I also would like to see him just a little bit further up. So if he has to be in a double pivot a bit further up, he has to be with someone who's super defensive. And Barca don't have that really, of like a proven player. Because, okay, you could go for a defender, but that's one defender less. And to me, if Barca were to get a proper right back, and I say proper right back because I don't think Sergio Roberto has what it takes to be a right back for Barcelona, I still... <laughs> yeah, but he's also not proven. It's a problem. I would love to see Julian Araujo get a proper run in. But I also don't think that Sergio Roberto has what it takes. I'm still baffled that he's even in discussion to be a captain for the club, given the other names on the table. But, like, if we're to play with the idea that you could have, like, Andreas Christensen as a as a part of a double pivot next to De Young, and then you switch between Gavi and Pedri or something. And then as the game progresses and you need less defensive prowess, you can take off Christensen, put in Gavi, so you have Gavi, De Young, Pedri in midfield, but just slightly more pushed up. Some sort of variation of that. So you have Pedri as the man behind the striker and with the wingers on either side. So like a 4-2-3-1, I think would work. My problem just is that 
that would be the setup if you lose Kessier. I think Kessier could do a lot for Barcelona in a double pivot. And I don't think any other player would be capable of doing that in Barca's squad currently. And if you're looking to save money, I don't think Kessier is the right person to sell. I really don't. He he offers more than some of the other players that you could put on the market. Yeah, but I mean I'm curious I'm curious. I'm really curious as well because I've seen a lot of people trash Kessier a lot. I personally don't get all the hate. But I'm curious, you guys that are listening, let us know what you think. If you have anything you want to say, you can um, reply it down below or you can request to be a speaker um, and voice your opinions because I'm really, really curious what people have to say about this. But yeah, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, Casey is like the, that sort of player like Paulinho was like a few years ago. Right? Yeah. I mean, he, he's like the kind of player that you never expected you never expected him to see him at Barcelona. But once you have him, he offers something really different to whatever the rest of the players actually can do in the same position. Obviously, he's not Pedri. Obviously, he's not Gavi. Obviously, he's not even close to Busquets. But he offers something different. And he's the type of player that you, I would much rather have him on my side, at least for a backup, than see him like on the other side just laying waste to the midfield. Um, so I think it is true. I think we've talked about Ferran previously. I think he doesn't have what it takes for being at, for being at Barcelona. Again, I think he's also not being played in the position that will probably help him the best, to be fair. Agreed. Agreed. But then again, he's not the type of player that you're going to rebuild your team around. I mean, it's not like Xavi's going to say, like, oh, for this season, Ferran's going to be like our number 10. He's going to be our new, our new Messi. And he's going to play every single minute of the of all the matches because I think he's that player that will take us to the next level. Of course not. Yeah, he's never going to be like at least for Barca. I don't see him being a reference point to build the team around. I agree with yep, you. Yep, exactly. And so, so that that makes you that takes you to making decisions. I mean, if he's not going to be that player, if he's not going to play that well, and if you know that he's not going to play as well in the position that you're going to have to play him, then why why keep him? I mean, he could just. You could just sell him. You can loan him out if you want, if you can't really sell him at this point. But why keep him then? And why, why try to take away Ansu Fati, who is much younger, who has been proving a lot more in Barcelona? And especially because he's such a... He's a La Masia kid, and he's always been saying, I want to stay at Barca, I want to stay at Barca. He doesn't want to leave, and he, he wants that redemption shot. Did he make a, a terrible decision, in my opinion, like regarding the surgery? Yes, of course. Did he sort of like wanted to do... like? What Umtiti did a few years ago, yes. So, but still, he's young. I mean, we all can, we all make mistakes, but he's still really, really young. I think that's something that a lot of people actually forget a lot of the time. What is he? I think he's like twenty years old or twenty-one. So, he could still have like ten years left of of a career, and he could still be really important for Barca. So that's why, like, I'm sort of like hurt regarding the Ansu Fati situation. And regarding like the Ferran, Ferran Torres as well, because you want to keep on, even though he's absolutely done nothing for you. Just looking at his stats for Barca, and he has 14 goals and nine assists in 71 games at Barca. So he's played more than he played at City, but he has scored less for Barcelona. And so then, why keep him and sell Ansu, who has been such an incredible player? That's the, that's the thing that I just don't understand. Like I, I'm not, I, I cannot get behind. I cannot get behind the whole idea of saying, 
oh, Ansu has to leave. Because even if you look at it, like from a marketability standpoint, Ansu does not have that card in the market. From any other, any other club standpoint, looking away from his talent, he's a risk. Yep. His goals and assists have been good given the games that he's played statistically, but he's also been out for most of a season. And he struggled to fit in. He struggled to fit in with the national team, slowly getting back. But it's not like he's a superstar yet, which is good for Barca because it means, well, good for us that want him to stay at Barca because it means that not many clubs are going to be able to say, we'll give you 60 mil for him, for instance, right? That's not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> and realistically, Barca are not going to sell him for 20 or 30. That would be absolute suicide. So I think to me that means that there are good chances of him staying. But I also think – I definitely think he should stay. Like if you, if you tell me Ansu Rafinha Fati, right, I would keep Ansu, bench Rafinha, sell, um, yeah, and then sell Ferran Torres. I don't think Ferran Torres should stay at Barca under any circumstances. Because he's just not, he's just, he doesn't have what it takes for Barca, whether that's his level, whether that's his understanding, whether that's his style. He just doesn't fit the club. There's no reason to keep him around. Just cut your losses, get whatever you can get for him, because that price is only going to go down. He's not going to come back this season and have a miraculous season for Barca. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And for me, Rafinha, like people say, oh, he's just a freaking run cross merchant or whatever, right? It's like, okay, but. That's the energy that he provides, and that's the press that he provides, and he helps Barca with that high press. No one is saying that he should be the number one starter at the right wing. I still think that should be Usman Dembele, provided he can stay fit, which we say every single year, and every single year he gets closer, <laughs> but then he messes up again. If Dembele's injury situation remains the same, I would like Barca to get another right winger. If he does improve in terms of staying fit, I would like him to be the starting right winger. Rafinha stay as a backup because he has that energy. And to be fair, in the build-up, in transition, he's good. It's just his final ball, his final cross, which I just, I honestly think that comes with it from understanding your teammates. Like, that's why Dembele and Leva find each other. That's why Dembele and Aubameyang used to find each other so often, right? Because they had that connection that takes so long to build. Vini and Benzema at Madrid took them years to build the connection they have. And it's not like Vini was notoriously known to be like a great one-two player or a great whatever player he turned out to be, but the circumstances facilitated it. And I don't, I'm not saying Rafinha is going to go down as an all-time great at Barca, but I also don't think that he's the one that people should point at and say he needs to go because I think he's been one of the few highlights up front this season, which yep. isn't saying much, but... <laughs> it's still something. Yeah, I mean, the Dembele case is something that's just that. It's something that we talk about every single summer. I mean, if he stays fit, he can be in a, a great tool for Barca. If he stays fit, he'll be amazing for Barca. But at this point, I'm not even sure like what's even happening with him. Because how many injuries can you have in once? I mean, in so many consecutive seasons? And it's like at this point, why aren't you working out like double as much to have like much more mass and muscle and all that to avoid this kind of injuries and also Barcelona should be looking into bringing someone probably much more entailed and much more specific regarding like injuries for Dembele specifically because how other can you actually argue that 
Dembélé will ever will ever stay like completely healthy for an entire season. That's like where I'm at at that point of the conversation with Dembo. Yeah, you're right, and that's the thing as well, right? Where it's like with Dembélé, I still find myself asking my asking every season, not just every summer, every winter as well. Yeah, why? Why is Dembele still around? Because I still, like, from an ability standpoint and a talent standpoint, boy, oh boy, is he one of the most talented footballers I have seen over the last couple of years. If we're talking in terms of natural talent and ability. But if you're talking about his injury record, it's terrible. His track record is terrible. And the problem is that you can't find that many other wingers given Barca's budget, that can fill a hole like that. They can, no, like, it's not like he's leaving a huge gap behind him, but you need someone to step in as like a just in, instant impact right winger. And Barca don't have that in anyone else. Yep. Yep, and also, like, now Vitor Roque comes into the conversation as well, right? If Barca actually sign him, Paul, he'll obviously be, like, the substitute of Lewandowski, but... I've also seen like a lot of people saying that he could play on the on the wing. Um, obviously, I'll be completely honest, and I think I've said the same thing like last week. I've only seen him like highlight reels, and so the clips that I see him are like ten seconds. He he sometimes like gets the ball back from the defender or something like that. He applies the press well, and then he wins the ball over and then just lets it rip from like thirty yards out. <laughs> but um, that's where, again, the conversation comes into play. I mean, if he can be an amazing player for Barcelona, obviously $35 million is nothing considering the market. But then again, you have to be really, really secure as to where you're going to play him and if he's actually going to be able to fit into the Barca um, scheme right away or how much time we're going to give him to actually fit in and then start looking at to Is he going to be the substitute for Lewy? He's going to be on the, on the wing. So a lot of like these kind of like questions come to pop into your mind. And then when you, that's when you have to actually be like really analytical and be like the shabby inside of you and say like, where is he going to play? And where is he going to be in five years for Barcelona? Is he going to be another Dembele or he could have been a great player or is he going to be a player that actually, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to throw out there like comparisons, but is he going to be like a Luis Suarez that scores and be, and becomes this really clinical player for Barcelona? Yeah. And I think, I think you're absolutely right as well. I think it's very important to know, like, why is he coming in? What's his role going to be? Why is he is he joining to be the backup striker? Is he joining to take over from Lewandowski? And if he is, I, like, I've, I've heard, I've seen reports that he might join next year because that way he'll take over for Leva. And I'm not sure I think that's the right call to do because you don't want to end up in a situation where he... Comes in, Leva is completely out of gas, and you reach a point where you have to rely on Vitor Roque, but he hasn't had enough background with Barca to know how they play, know what's expected of him, and then you fall into a trap of it being like another Ferran Douglas situation. Yeah. Where you have to rely on him. He's good, he's not fantastic. And then after a year or two, he goes somewhere else, starts falling out, has a dip in form, and I know for a fact Douglas is going to pick up again. I have no doubt about it. But it's a shame because if Vitor Roque goes down the same path, which he will if Barca don't plan properly, that's a great talent that's just lost. 
Um, yep. So for me, Absolutely. I think that's crucial as well. And I really hope that he does join and is registered this summer, even if he's as a backup. Rather him learn from Leva for a season eight or two even, and then just be ready to take over, than have him come in and Barca being like, hey, yep, you're you're the new striker now. You know. Yep, absolutely. I mean, if you want to have that kid, the long term, you want him to learn the ropes from one of the best strikers in the past few years, who is Lewandowski, and then have Xavi as a mentor to him, and then. If he starts to get minutes playing with Anso, if he starts getting minutes playing with Dembele, then you're golden. I mean, if he can actually build up that sort of report and build up that sort of like connections with the other players that are going to be there long term, the Pedri, the Gavi, the Balde, those sort of players, then he'll fit in. But then again, we always have to remind ourselves, and I think it's something that we always say, Omar, is that they're humans at the end of the day. They'll make Absolutely. mistakes. They're not going to be like in FIFA when you play, when you pay for a player and, it, and he's just like scoring hat tricks match after match for you. <laughs> so um, I think we have to be very conscious of that. But again, I hope it turns out for the best if he comes. I hope he, uh, Barca can actually sign him during the summer. That way he can just like jump in straight away into the preseason and we can start seeing what he can actually do. I love the fact that he, uh, all the news outlets are saying that he's waiting for Barca. So that obviously. That sends like the wave, right? The message that some yeah. players do want to come to Barcelona, and they are willing to wait out other offers. Absolutely, I think that's I think that's really important. And um, as much as I would love to have a conversation, I think we're slowly reaching the point where we have run out of time for today. Um, yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, as always, thank you all for tuning in. This will be on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc. Um, as soon as we can get the Twitter recording, which does take a day or two. Um, but you should be able to tune in on Spotify, etc. if you missed a portion of this. Um, on that note, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. I have been Omar Hawashi. has been Job Padrata. And Job, I'll leave it up to you for any final words you may have. Yep. Um... I mean, let's hope for the best as always for Barcelona. Um, let's stay positive because the summer transfer doesn't hasn't even technically opened and we're all already like very pessimistic on a lot of issues. Um, Gundogan apparently can uh, sign for Barcelona any day now. So, I mean, let's just wait for the best. And once the, the dust settles like on the transfer window, we can come back to, this, to the chalkboard and just be really analytical and be... We can trash Barca if, if you guys want. But for the meantime, let's stay positive. And, I mean, let's just wait for the best and see how it actually turns up and trust completely on La Porta. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think that's really all you can do at this point is just hope and trust that the club's president and the board do have uh, the ideas that it takes to bring Barca back to the level it belongs. Um, and then we've seen that Barca can be at. It's just a matter of planning correctly and hopefully – for Barca fans around the world, that will be the case. Um, so, on that note, thank you all for tuning in. I've been Omar Hawash, he's been Joao Pedraza, and we will see you next Monday at 5.30 p.m. at Green Time Stuff. Uh, half an hour ago is when we started, we're going to do that as we go forward. So, thank you for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.